0: You know that feeling you get whenever you witness someone do something great and then you suddenly compare that person to yourself and you suddenly feel very inadequate and embarrassed and out of shape and not so great. Sometimes we get that way whenever we see someone do something really well and we start to realize that we're not as great as we thought we were because we see someone do whatever it was better. This happened to me whenever I was in school for a seminary, I had a good friend, his name was Nick, who was really athletic, and, um, and I'm athletic, pretty much, and, uh, and I enjoy playing sports, but something about being around Nick, he was always just, uh, he just had the upper edge on whatever sport it was. He was the kind of guy that could pick up a golf club for the first time with no um, experience, and he's just going to be great at golf, and same thing with football or whatever, and um, well, Nick came from a family with 10 brothers and sisters, um, which I know is kind of rare these days, but um, he, he had a lot of brothers and sisters. He was from Virginia, and um, his dad was quite the athlete as well. And you see, his dad invited all of his children, before they graduate high school, if they would run a marathon, the dad would pay for their college. So that was the deal every single child, boys and girls, all of them, that the deal was before you graduate high school, you have to run a marathon. And if you do so, then your college would be paid for. And at first you're like, well, gosh, it's kind of harsh. What kind of parent would do that? Um, But but there was formation. There's a lesson here because the dad would actually run the marathon with them. So he didn't just like, give them an impossible task. The dad would train with them and together. It would be a great bonding experience that he had with every one of his kids. And also an incentive to do, to really push yourself, challenge yourself, and do something great. Well, um, you know, of course, my buddy Nick did this before he graduated high school and, and his college, you know, was paid for by his parents. And um, But uh, when I was in school, at the time that I knew Nick, his brother was a senior in high school. And it was time for his brother to run his marathon. And, you know, we're coming towards the end of the year. It was about um, April. So there was only one more marathon opportunity that was left. And and so it was time for his brother to, to run the marathon uh, before he graduated. And so his brother was training. His dad was training with him. They were training together and preparing for this race. And then the week before the race, the dad gets injured. And the dad's not able to to run the marathon, and the dad's, of course, devastated because he's, you know, he really wanted to do this with his son. He's done it with a number of his children already. This was part of the deal. This is a big moment, and the dad is unable to run with him, and so two days before the race begins, the dad calls my buddy Nick, and he explains the situation, and he says, Nick, I, you know I." just don't know what to do. I I really feel bad because I really wanted your brother to have someone to run with. And so he he asked Nick, he said, what do you think? Do you think you might be able to run with him? Now, Nick was not training for a marathon. (laughs) So consider, what would you have said in this situation? Two days before a marathon, you get a phone call, an invitation to run one of them without having ever trained what would you say? Nick said, sure. Let's do it. And so, of course, Nick, we all think he's crazy. Like, really? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're going to go run a marathon without training? Yeah, why not? So he did it. He ran with his brother, kept up with his brother, never stopped, and finished in a a reasonable amount of time. And my buddy Nick, I was so impressed. I mean, I suddenly felt extremely weak and unathletic because he was able to do this thing without preparation. I thought, wow, you know, normal people need to prepare for something like this. Normal people need to train for a marathon, for sometimes months to get ready to even just complete it, much less do a pretty good time. But why was my buddy Nick's already On the drop of a dime for this occasion. And the reason is because Nick lived a lifestyle that was conducive to be ready for the marathon even when it came unexpectedly. Nick was always doing some kind of athletic activity, just about seven days a week. He was very much in shape and although he wasn't endurance training, particularly for a race, He was playing basketball or soccer or ultimate frisbee or just going for a short jog or whatever it was, lifting weights in the gym. He was always active and doing something, and he had the lifestyle that enabled him to always be prepared so that when he received a phone call two days later, he was able to run a marathon. And it's interesting, you know, we all are willing to pay the price to train for things that we care about. This is why students study for tests. And if it's a test that they really care about, they'll study more than just the night before. This is why sports teams will practice, even in the off-season, to prepare for the season and to prepare for the big games that are to come. This is why sometimes people go on diets, to prepare for a special occasion. Maybe they have a particular outfit that they want to fit in so they, they, for a time, go on a diet so that they can get to what they want to be. We are all willing to pay the price for things that we care about. But usually, we're willing to pay a temporary price in order to achieve one particular opportunity. But the truly successful people that we see Um, The examples of people that are able to do things particularly well are the ones that don't just train for one event. They adopt a lifestyle of training. Their lifestyle has changed. The people um, that that really lose weight are not the people that just go on a diet and then they take a break and they go on another diet. It's people that make a lifestyle change for their nutrition. The people that want to gain muscle don't just, you know, go to the weight room for a couple of weeks and hope to just get really um, strong right away. These people adopt a lifestyle year round. They are training in the weight room. the The, the championship teams don't just go to practice lackadaisically and kind of just do what they need to do as a bare minimum. They're training all year long, even individually, apart from the team, preparing themselves for the big game. People that are really successful, people that are strong in their body, are strong in their mind, they're willing to adopt a lifestyle of preparation. Why don't we do the same for our spiritual lives? It seems like Many of us fall into the trap of, okay, you know, Advent and Lent, we're really going to do it. And then outside of Advent and Lent, we kind of just, you know, slip away. And every year we just get back to it. Advent or Lent, we're just going to, we're really going to commit, and then we'll slip away again. And, and it's good we're at least doing something if we're, if we're you know, preparing in times of, of these liturgical seasons. But if we really want to be strong... If our hearts and our souls want to be strengthened, just as those athletes and students who strengthen their bodies and their minds, then we need to do a lifestyle change. We need to live our spiritual lives in a way that's always strong and always ready to face a challenge. So today is the first Sunday of Advent. Our readings—I'm um, kind of sick of our end of the world readings. So, I'm trying to think of something else to preach on. And uh, but our readings today are about the end of the world again—big whoop. And um, what we got is Jesus says, "Do not let your hearts be drowsy. Do not let your hearts become drowsy." We're talking about Advent. Uh, there's Advent is the Latin word for. Coming, Adventus means coming, and we're preparing not just for one coming, but for two comings. We remember the first coming of Jesus, and we celebrate that coming at Christmas, and so we prepare our hearts for that. But there's also the second coming, which is the second coming of Jesus, the parousia, the end of the world, the time where, where God will reign in His kingdom and, and uh, bring in a, a new heavens and a new earth at the end of time. And we don't know when that's going to be. That could be at any time. It could be today. It could be 100 years from now. Or it could be a million years from now. And no one knows except the Father in heaven. So we're preparing for two comings simultaneously. But we don't just prepare as if we're running one race so that we can temporarily pay, uh, temporarily pay the price and then temporarily receive a reward. We want to do a lifestyle shift. We want to strengthen our hearts. Jesus says, do not let your hearts become drowsy by carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of the world. He warns us that the world has this way of weakening our hearts. Just as the world has a way of weakening our bodies, whenever we stop working out, lifting weights and endurance training, we, you know, we start to gain some unhealthy pounds, and we get out of shape, and we're not able to do what we used to do. And same thing with our minds. Whenever we stop reading, and we stop listening to podcasts, and we stop studying, we only remember what we once learned years ago, and even then, we're kind of rusty, and we can't really remember what we used to know, and we're not as sharp mentally. The same happens with our spiritual life. We become drowsy in our hearts and in our souls, when we kind of take our faith for granted and get caught up in the world, our spiritual lives become weak, become out of shape. And in particular, Jesus cites two ways that this happens is indulgence and anxiety. He says carousing and drunkenness, these images of indulgence, this overindulgence that um, is so easy for us, all of us, to slip into that our indulgence of choice, maybe it's food, maybe it's desserts, maybe it's drink, or maybe it's just um, pleasure like uh, time in front of a screen or any kind of other selfish activity. Maybe we overindulge to the point where our spiritual desires are so weakened that we don't even care about God, we don't even care about faith, and then we selfishly get frustrated that we don't, we can't hear God's voice, and that prayer is unexciting for us. Because we're overindulging in everything else but God. And the other option is anxieties. We let the cares of the world get so heavy on our shoulders. And although it's true that life is hard, although it's true that there's plenty to worry about, and although it's true that we face challenges often, sometimes we let those anxieties of the world overtake our souls and weaken our hearts. And our faith becomes smaller and our desire for God weaker. Jesus says, do not let your hearts become drowsy. Beware of overindulgence and anxiety because these two things weaken your heart and make you unprepared for the spiritual race that we are running. But we want to adopt a lifestyle that makes us always prepared A lifestyle that is ready so that when we receive the phone call two nights before a marathon, two nights before our spiritual marathon, we're ready. We don't have to train because we're already prepared. We're not overcome by overindulgence and anxiety. We have strengthened our hearts through prayer, through keeping vigil. Advent is about an increased time of prayer, a time of preparation, a, try, a time of strengthening. It's a spiritual workout. It's a four week workout plan for us to strengthen our hearts so that we're no longer um, spiritually immature, but rather spiritually strong. It's true. It's true that God wants us to be children. God has asked us to be like a child, to be spiritual children. But that doesn't mean that we need to be spiritually immature. There's a difference. A spiritual child is one who trusts in the Lord to provide because God is our Father and our God loves us. And just as children trust their parents, we trust our Father. But we don't want to be childish like the misbehaving middle schooler who disrespects his parents, not you middle schoolers that are here. But you know, like the, the, the immaturity, whenever kids become sassy and disrespectful, that's not what we want to be in our spiritual life. Those children have to grow out of that. They have to be weaned out of their selfishness. They have to learn how to grow and to be adults how to think about others and to recognize their life is not about their own. The same happens for us in our spiritual life. We don't wanna remain spiritually immature. We wanna strengthen our hearts. We wanna be disciples who love the Lord, disciples who are attentive to the needs of others. Just because we've experienced God's love doesn't mean that we are perfectly holy yet. Oftentimes, God meets us where we're at and we're still so incredibly selfish. And it takes time to strengthen our hearts away from that selfishness. Advent is a great time for us to work that out, to get back in shape, because we're out of shape. We're selfish. Just admit it, we are. But it's time for us to live a lifestyle that is always ready, that's always spiritually prepared to love, to love God and to love neighbor. So I just want you to consider today, um, consider, do you have an Advent plan? Do you have a spiritual workout plan for the next four weeks? We're entering into a training ground these next four weeks. Will your heart be strengthened by these four weeks or will you allow your heart to be weakened by the indulgence and the anxieties of the month of December. December brings a lot of unique experiences. There's a lot of of great, uh, fun, exciting things that happen in December. Certainly all the uh, gatherings with family and friends, more opportunities to, um, maybe you're into Christmas music and Christmas uh, decorations and, and movies. And these are all, these are all fun things. But if we overindulge in the superficial part of Christmas, we lose a desire for the true meaning of Christmas. And similarly, we could get caught up in the anxieties of December. It's busy. It's stressful. There's something every single night of the week. Finances are tight. Everybody needs a gift and we can't afford it. There's all kinds of other things in the world that maybe at home or at work that we're just anxious about and we just have nothing left to give. It's supposed to be fun, but it's not fun. Again, indulgence and anxieties weak, weaken our heart. But we want to have four weeks of strengthening our heart, strengthening our soul to always be ready for any spiritual challenge that comes our way. We don't want to be spiritually immature, we want to be spiritually strong. I want to invite you to some of the things we're doing here at St. Leo, and the bulletin can give you more information about all of these. But we have a few opportunities for Advent, uh, for to hopefully strengthen your heart. We'll have some extra confession times on Wednesday nights. We'll have some um, some uh, candlelight masses on Tuesday nights. We're doing a book of the month in December. It's a, a wonderful book that teaches you how to pray um, uh, through the the Advent story. Um, but maybe even beyond what we're doing here at St. Leo, maybe at home, maybe uh, y'all can commit to some family prayer time, or maybe uh, maybe one night a week, or maybe more than one night a week, you maybe turn the TV off and just have a night that's a little bit more quiet for the Lord to speak to you in your heart. Maybe uh, you take an opportunity to serve those who are in need sometime this Advent. It could be anything, and we don't have to do all of it, but the invitation is to do something, to make sure your heart's not weakened, but strengthened. Will your heart become drowsy, like Jesus warns, or will your heart be strengthened over these next four weeks? I can tell you this, we won't accidentally strengthen our hearts. Just like we won't accidentally grow muscles and accidentally become smarter, we have to work at it. We have to cooperate with the gifts God's given us. We can strengthen our hearts if we commit to some type of spiritual routine over the next four weeks so that as we move on through the rest of the year, we'll always be ready because that's what Advent's all about. Amen.